The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.
Good morning. Welcome to everyone with us in the space today and those joining us on live stream. I am Laura Shenham. I'm the Minister of Congregational Life, and I am joined on the chancel this morning by Carmen Barsodi, who is part of our worship associates and part of the Faithful Fools. Our beautiful choir will be singing today, and our tech team is available to help you if you were on the live stream. Thank you all for wearing your mask indoors. Those of us up here on the chancel, Test, speaking without masks, took an antigen test this morning. Wearing our mask is what love looks like. As I've grown in ministry, one of the areas I was curious about in Unitarian Universalism is the idea of forgiveness. I observed other faith traditions have their rituals, have their traditions, and I wondered what did we do as Unitarian Universalists to grapple with this concept, with this very thing that is part of our human nature, that Martin Buber, the Jewish theologian, reminds us of, that we are a people that are promise-making, promise-breaking, and promise-remaking people. It's a very part of our human nature to enter into relationships and to promises and to break those and have an element of forgiveness in our lives in some way, shape, or form. And so this is our task before us this morning, to hopefully find a way to ritualize our own relationship with forgiveness. I invite you to please join me As we say our words of chalice lighting, those of you who are joining us via live stream, if you have a chalice or candle available for you to light on your own as we do so, please say the words that are printed in your order of service. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. Please come together in body and spirit to sing our opening hymn, number 323, Break Not the Circle.
Good morning. As Laura said, my name is Carmen Barsodi. If this is your first time watching, let me welcome you in person or on live stream. If you want to get our weekly newsletter, The Flame, and get emailed a reminder about Sunday's live stream link, you can just fill out one of the connection forms. They are on the welcome table outside the sanctuary, and they also are available in the link in the order of service or the video description of today's service. In the order of service, there are many events and announcements, and so we invite you to read them, push the little links if you're online and read about them, and please engage in any of those that are of interest to you. And today we have a few people I will invite up to make announcements. First, Linda Harris about guest at your table, and then Julia Wald. Thank you, Carmen. Good morning. My name is Linda Harris. I am our congregation's UU Service Committee's local representative and a longtime participant in many of the social justice activities of our congregation. I'm here this morning to ask you to join me in welcoming the beginning of two beloved traditions that many members of our congregation participate in the Guest at Your Table program, and the Angel Child program. The exploration of ritual really um, spoke to me today as I thought about these programs, since these are both very meaning rituals in my own life. Every year, thousands of Unitarian Universalists across the country participate in the Guest at Your Table program. You use of all ages, place guests at your table boxes or other special containers on their dining tables or other family gathering spots. We feed the boxes daily with contributions, often the same as what we are spending on our own meals, uh, for the work of the UU Service Committee, our, our denomination's faith in action organization. We read stories about some of the unseen guests at our table, like the ones featured on the insert in your order of service today. Many participants of all ages develop additional rituals to help them reflect on our UU commitment to living out our values in the wider world and the meaning of the choices we make daily with our material resources. Some lifelong UUs have told me that participating in this program is one of their very first memories of the UU Church. Another beloved holiday tradition in our church that is back after a hiatus of two years due to COVID is the Angel Child Program. Every year, Bay Area Women and Children's Center collects names of children whose families have little or no resources with which to buy them holiday presents. They also collect information about something special that the child really wishes to have. 
They distribute these names and present requests to various community organizations such as ours through their Angel Child program. Sponsors don't put themselves down on the gift tag as the giver. Instead, parents are given the dignity of putting Santa, their own names, or whoever else they want on the card. The Bay Area Women and Children's Center does wonderful advocacy and direct service all year long in partnership with Tenderloin and Western Edition families. Each year, as I engage in my ritual of filling one of their handmade Christmas tree tapestries with children's names and gift requests, my hope for healing in our city is renewed. Amid the commercial world of the holiday season, especially at a time when our world faces enormous social, political, and environmental challenges and injustices and inequities abound, both of these programs give us an opportunity to reflect on and share our many blessings, center in our UU values, and connect with the deeper meaning of the season. Faced with complex problems from the world stage to the very neighborhood that our church is located in, engaging in these programs helps us to respond neither with denial or feeling overwhelmed and hopeless, but rather inspired and empowered by solidarity, community, and partnership. If you're with us today in person, we invite you to take a guest at your table box as they're being passed out during the offertory today, and to come by both the UUSC and the Angel Child Services to find out more about these after the service. If you're joining us by live stream and would like more information about either of these programs, please check out the information in the order of service and the articles in our weekly newsletter, The Flame. Thank you so very much. Hello. Um, we've had lots of sorrows and anguish. We've had deep thought and action. And now it's time for fun. Woo! Uh, we're going to have a holiday fair. The chairs of this fair are Cheryl Diener and Christopher Rodriguez. So if you have questions, go to them, not to me, go to them. Yep. Um, but most of all, it's December 4th. You heard that last week. You've got it in your book. You understand December 4th. Come. We're going to have fun. We're going to be a community, a community of communities. We're going to have food. We're going to have a tamale plate. We're going to have the tea room. We're going to have carols. And there are going to be things you can buy. I mean, what's more fun than buying things, right? Retail therapy. They're um, part of the way we're going to have things that you can buy is there's going to be a jumble table run by Kathleen Queneville. This means that all of you who are here and you who are out in the live stream, I don't know why I look up at the sky for the live stream, but <laughs> feels like you're in the sky. Um, anyway, you want to bring little things that are cluttering up your drawers. You know, you have a, a purse, you have a six necklaces that look almost alike. You could get rid of five of them, maybe? Who knows? Just bring them to the church 
There's going to be a big box in the Kincaid room. We invite you to put your things into the box. It's not an invitation to take other things out unless you want to leave a bunch of money. But there's going to be a jumble sale. There are going to be things for us to do. You make ornaments. You can sing carols. Just come December 4th. We're trying to reestablish our community here. Um, we also need, as part of building our community, right, we need help in putting on the fair. So there's a table out in the gallery. You can go sign up. Maybe you want to make cookies for the tea room. Maybe you want to help clean up afterwards. That's always fun. Whatever it is, do come and volunteer and come to the event. We look forward to seeing you. And we have one more special announcement, if San Hamner would come forth. Hi, I'm Sam. I'm one of the newest members on the Family Ministry Committee, where I've gotten to start the exciting work with Reverend Laura to continue growing our beloved community in religious education for kiddos, parents, and their caregivers. Um, and in starting that work, I recently learned that tomorrow is Reverend Laura's, did I say Vanessa? I'm sorry if I messed it up. It's Reverend Laura's 50th birthday. So on behalf of Reverend Vanessa, the Family Ministry Committee, and our community here at UUSF, we'd like to give you a book, Richard Rohr's Gorgeous Falling Upward, a bookmark, some fancy chocolate, and a bottle of wine to relax and maybe pair with the chocolate. And then I think now we'd like to sing Happy Birthday. It's also morning gymnastics. You may stand if you are able and greet one another.
So in your order of service or online or here in the sanctuary, I invite you to join me in saying our covenant together. Please stand if you are able. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in freedom, and to help one another. Before we move into our time of meditation, I want to take a moment to just honor those lives that were impacted in the shooting last night in Colorado and light a candle for those people and their families. And let's just take a moment of silence as I do that. hearts are with them and their families and all those that are affected by violence. I invite you into a time of meditation. Settle into your seats. Plant your feet firmly on the ground. Take a deep breath in and let it out. If you so choose and feel safe to do so, please close your eyes. Let us turn inward. Feel the rhythm of the breath in and out, in and out.
Find the peace of being just with the flow of the breath. Letting go of yesterday and tomorrow. Feel the restorative peace of this moment. A peace large enough to open to the concerns and sorrows that trouble us. A stillness quiet enough to respond to the joys and celebrations that enliven us. There is safety here in the rhythm of the breath, the ebb and flow of life is enacted with each one. Please join me in meditation. Thank you for your presence.
Our story this morning is called After the Ublik, adapted from Bartholomew and the Ublik by Dr. Seuss. Once there was, and once there wasn't, in the kingdom of Did, what became known as the year the king got angry with the sky. Now the great Dr. Seuss has told of that year. The year that King Derwin became tired of rain in the spring, sunshine in the summer, fog in the fall, and snow in the winter. The king wanted his little part of the world to have something special, something unique come down from the sky. And even though his page, Bartholomew Cubbins, warned him that this didn't seem like such a good plan, the king asked his wizards to create something new to fall from the sky. And so they did. They gathered ingredients, they mixed and stirred, and as eerie green smoke rose from their cauldron, the wizards chanted, Oh, make the magic oblique fall, bring down oblique on us all. And fall it did. Not like rain, not like sunshine, not like fog, and not like snow. The oblique was thick and green and immensely sticky. First, the king was delighted. He smiled and laughed and clapped his hands. He was ruler of the sky. Well, have you ever had an idea that seemed good for a little while? The oblique was so sticky that all over the kingdom, people were getting stuck. Cows were stuck in the fields. Birds were stuck in their nests. Horses and carts were trapped, unable to move. Bartholomew urged the king to do something to fix it. But what could the king do? The magicians were stuck in their cave. As the king fumbled for magic words, but nothing worked, until he tried some simple words, some oh-so-very-powerful simple words. I'm sorry. I'm so very, very, very sorry. And with those words, the oblique began to melt. And the people and the animals in the kingdom of Did found themselves free to move and free to enjoy the beautiful sunshine, the fog, the snow, and the rain that fell from the sky all except the Huddleton family, who lived out on the Huddleton farm. While the oblique was melting all around them, it stayed thick, green, and sticky, right up to the edges of their fields. You see, they still resent the king and his foolish, yet very human ego. They resent his palace, they resent his carriage. They resent his crown. When the oblique began to fall, they immediately had blamed the king, 
as they did every time that something uncomfortable or unfortunate happened in their lives. When their apple orchard had a bad year, they blamed the king. When their children had difficulty in school, they blamed the king. And so, when green sticky ublek fell from the sky, they knew just who to blame. And that when the king said his simple, powerful apology and took responsibility for his actions, they could not forgive him. They wrapped their resentments around them as if they were protective clothes. If you want to see some ublik, possibly the only ublik in the world, you can drive out to Huddleton Farm, where the Huddletons sit, stuck on their porch, glued to their rockers, their goats are stuck in the field, and their poor chickens are stuck in the hen house. Each day they blame the king a little more, and their neighbors, they enjoy the sunshine, the fog, the snow, and the rain, but they never forget the ooblick. May it be the same for each of us. So now we will have the offering, but before I invite today's offering, I just want to personally thank you. A few weeks ago when Sam and I from Faithful Fools spoke and the offering was taken up, you were very generous. We received an offering of around $1,600. And to let you know how that is used is there's an intimate connection and path between the church and the fools. So Fulia, fool Julia Wald was at the desk on Wednesday, called me because she got a call from a man who was looking at for work and sent him to me. And it ended up that that man had just moved into housing on Eddie and Fillmore with his family, and they had nothing. They were sleeping on the floors. And so we went to Costco and got them food. We went to Costco and got a battery for their truck um, that was dead. And um, we are working on getting them other furnishings. So to know that it's very direct and useful. So thank you. So. <laughs> Our offering this morning will go to support the works and ministries of this community. If you wish to give online using the payment portal, please choose the Sunday plate offering. Thank you in advance for your generosity. The morning offering will be taken, and as Linda said, also baskets will be coming through with the little guest at your table box, which you can also take if you'd like.
the magical book I always need to have with me. Our reading this morning is a responsive reading. You can find it in our hymnal number 637 by dear colleague, Reverend Robert Eller Isaacs, who passed away earlier this year. I will read the regular print and I invite you to read the italicized print. For remaining silent when a single voice would have made a difference, we forgive ourselves and each other. Again, again, love. For each time that our fears have made us rigid and inaccessible, we forgive ourselves and each other. Again, again, For each time that we have struck out in anger without just cause, For each time that our greed has blinded us to the needs of others. For the selfishness which sets us apart and alone. For falling short of the admonitions of the Spirit. For losing sight of our unity. For those and for so many acts, both evident and subtle, which have fueled the illusion of separateness, we forgive ourselves and each other, and we begin again in love.
Because the stone you were asked to select as you came in this morning is vital to our ritual today, I would like to give anyone that didn't receive a stone a chance to receive one now. So if you don't have one, please raise your hand high. And hopefully our ushers can bring in some stones for people. So I see one, two, three, four, Lovely, we have Linda and Mari handing out some stones. So raise your hands and they'll bring the stones to you. Everyone have a stone? All right. Thank you, Linda and Mari. Reverend Leslie Takahashi writes, we return again and again to the season of forgiveness. And each time we come, we come bearing gifts, a grudge to relinquish, a hatred to extinguish, a hope that has bloated and distorted, a glancing word that has wounded. Each time we walk the road toward forgiveness, we mutter, we have been here before. When will we remember that forgiveness is not so much an act as an attitude, not so much a duty as a love we give ourselves as part of the ever unfolding new beginning? not so much an act as an attitude. Yom Kippur is the time of year Jewish people look for reconciliation between each other and with God. 10 days before Yom Kippur, it is the custom and Jewish tradition to look back over the past year and make amends to those you have offended by seeking forgiveness. Yom Kippur is itself is the day to seek forgiveness from God from, for any vows that may have been broken by admitting your wrongs and taking responsibility for them by making amends, you are brought closer to God. It's humbling to come face to face with our own imperfections, our own humanity. It is even more humbling to admit those imperfections to another and ask them to forgive us. In our story today, we have a king who learns to say he is sorry and a family who is stuck in resentment. The king realizes he has made a mistake and repairs his kingdom by acknowledging his role and the mistake he made and taking responsibility. The family is unable to see the role, their role in their predicament and continue to blame the king. This is how we hold a burden of anger, resentment, hatred, or hurt. The bitterness stays within us and festers, creating its own wound to our soul. Oftentimes, we would rather ignore and forget that there has been harm where we have been vulnerable. We would like to hold on to those grudges like prized possessions against another 
It makes us feel justified. In Forgive for Good, a proven prescription for health and happiness, psychologist Fred Luskin writes, in careful scientific studies, forgiveness training has been shown to reduce depression, increase hopefulness, decrease anger, improve spiritual connection, and increase emotional confidence. Luskin continues, quote, hanging on to anger and resentment, living in a constant state of stress can damage the heart as well as the soul. In fact, research has shown that failure to forgive may be a risk factor for heart disease, high blood pressure, and a score of other chronic stress-related illnesses. Medical and psychological studies have also shown that a person holding on to anger and resentment is at an increased risk for anxiety, depression, and insomnia, and is more likely to suffer from high blood pressure, ulcers, migraines, backaches, heart attack, heart attack, and even cancer. The reverse is also true, Luskin continues. Genuine forgiveness can transform these ailments. In other words, we may feel justified, but we're not healthy. And I want to be clear here, when I'm talking about forgiveness, I'm talking about our own internal process with forgiveness. Our own internal hurts, our own internal things that we're holding on to. I'm not talking about reconciliation. I'm not talking about repair of relationship, because that requires more than one person. And sometimes that reconciliation and that repair is not safe to do or can't be done. So I'm only talking about our internal process with forgiveness today. Sometimes we're meant to offer forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Sometimes we are meant to ask for forgiveness for those we have wronged. And sometimes we need to actually forgive ourselves. In the book of Forgiving, the Fourfold Path of Healing and Ourselves and Our World, which is a beautiful, beautiful book by Archbishop Desmond Tutu and his daughter Mfututu, they remind us of the following, quote, when we forgive, we take back control of our own fate and our feelings. We become our own liberators. We don't forgive to help the other person. We don't forgive for others. We forgive for ourselves. Forgiveness, in, our, in other words, is the best form of self-interest. This is true both spiritually and scientifically. The reasons for forgiving ourselves are the same as forgiving others. It is how we become free of the past. It is how we heal and grow. It is how we make meaning out of our suffering, restore our self-esteem, and tell a new story of who we are. If forgiving our others leads to an external peace, forgiving ourselves leads to an internal peace." End quote. So if you're not holding your stone, I invite you to hold it in your hands. You might be drawn to those smooth edges, and you can spend a little time there, but also notice those places that might be a little more jagged 
little more sharp. Fill the pits and the cracks that may be easy to miss with the naked eye, but you might be able to feel with your hand. Feel its weight in your hand. Thich Nhat Hanh invites us to imagine a pebble thrown into a river. As it sinks through the water effortlessly, detached from everything, it finally reaches the bottom, the point of perfect rest. We must be that people letting go of our anger so that we can find and land at perfect rest. As you feel your stone, find those places of rest. And as you encounter them, reflect on where you are holding on to anger, resentment, hatred, fear, bitterness. Let them find a place of rest in your stone. Reflect on people in your life you have harmed, or you, they who have harmed you, knowing there's still a decision on whether to be in relationship or even reconciliation. I invite you to let the emotions you are holding on to about the harm to find a resting place in that stone. Think of those times when you have been angry with yourself and held on to shame or bitterness for what you should have done, could have done, might have done. And listen to your own heart and find the places you can let go of them and let them rest in that stone. Let each of these places where forgiveness is possible find a resting place in the stone in your hand. Let them go from your heart, from your soul, and your spirit to reside in a piece of the earth. Feel the weight of them in the weight of the stone and no longer on your person. And as this weight settles into the stone, let your heart break wide open to receiving the healing that comes with forgiveness. This bowl symbolizes our sacred space, a space we can share one of the true human conditions, the need to forgive and be forgiven. I will pour some of our water that we collected from our water communion ceremony at the beginning of this year. to symbolize the love of this church which flows between our actions 
and holds us even in the most tender of moments. As you feel moved to do so, and when you are ready to let go, I invite you forward to place your stone in the bowl. And as you feel your burden lifted, I invite you to say, I begin again in love. If you are not ready to let go of your stone, or if you are at home watching online, then listen to your heart to know when it is time to find that perfect place of rest for that stone. If you need someone to gather your stone for you, then Carmen will come around and collect those. Just raise your hand and let her know. You may bring your stones forward and place them in the bowl and say, I begin again in love.
Rebecca Parker reminds us, even when our hearts are broken by our own failure or the failure of others cutting into our lives, even when we have done all we can and life is still broken, there is a universal love that has never broken faith with us and never will. After the service today, I will place the stones in our outside garden where they will find their perfect place of rest in the care of our community. I invite you into a closing prayer. Spirit of love, this morning we pray for forgiveness, that we may learn to forgive others and accept their forgiveness of us. We pray for forgiveness for our own actions. Help us let it go of fear so we can move on, opening our hearts to one another. We pray for empowerment that we may learn to love more fully. We give thanks for the blessings of love in our lives and for the chance we have to love again and begin again. May we feel the love inside us connecting with the love in each other. Amen. Please join in singing our closing hymn, number 1008, When Our Heart is in a Holy Place.
choir's been amazing today, haven't they? Woo! The tutus remind us we are fragile and flawed humans who commit offenses against each other. When we do these things, we are not monsters. We are human beings who have become separated from our own goodness. May we each find time to follow the path of forgiveness and remember our own goodness and the goodness of others. Love be with you today and always. <laughs>